Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Hey, we welcome you today, and we want to welcome those that are online worshiping. I've missed this, so for like 10 or 11 weeks, we haven't been able to say this. Father's House, those of you that are in the house, would you welcome the home house people that are watching online this morning? For those of you that are in here, there's a connection card and a giving envelope in the chair in front of you, and it's been sanitized. Dr. Brad and his team have been sanitizing everything. Uh, and uh, so you can use that if you uh, have a prayer request, or if you're a first-time guest today, we'd love to know you're here. So if you're here in the house, use one of those connection cards, fill it out, and if you're online, use the one on the Father's House website. Let us know. It's very small. It won't take a long time. And then as you leave today with the offering, the ushers will be at each of the doors. You can drop your offering in as well as your connection card. And here's the information you need if you want to get the notes. i got to say this right. At thefathershouse.com forward slash e-guide. E-guide. You can see the connection card, uh, the giving uh, ability, notes, upcoming events, I think I heard that the youth are going to be back in the house uh, Wednesday night for, at 6 o'clock for church. I also heard that we're doing a youth camp the end of July. I mean, man, release us and we'll just go like racehorses. We got a lot to catch up on, don't we? Wow. You have your Bible with you. Let's hold it up. Let's say this together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I am obedient, and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, your presence is so real, and I just humble myself before you, and I say, I pray desperately for your Holy Spirit to flow through me today. I can just have words without your anointing, but when your anointing comes on your words, they change lives. So I'm totally dependent upon you today. Help me to say what you want me to say. Help me not to say the things that I want to say. And I just pray that you would help me today. Wow. Hey, I know it's been a while since you've been in the house, so I, maybe we need to practice a little bit. Can I hear you say amen? amen? I thought you might need some help, so I've asked my friend Jada to help me out. So watch. This is the way Jada says we need to do it. Watch. That's right, Pastor Kelly. You will preach. That's right, Hanson. You will preach. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Shada. Uh, let's do that again. I, that makes me feel like I could preach. Can you do it again? That's right, Pastor Kelly. You will preach. That's right, Hanson. You will preach. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, thank you, Jada. Wow. Vance Havner said something, and it's just so powerful, and, and I'll show it to you on the screen. You've not really learned a commandment until you've obeyed it. The church suffers today from Christians who know volumes more than they practice. Have you ever met anybody like that? 
They could tell you a lot of stuff, but they never get involved. They could tell you how important it is to serve, but they're not serving. They could tell you how important it is to give, but they're not giving. Um, there are a lot of people that are never motivated to participate. They're content to just watch others work. You ever met any of those? They're called spectators. And there are those people in life that would never offer a hand to help anybody. They just are really good at finding fault. They're commentators. And there are those that are bossy. They're always telling you what to do and what not to do. I call them dictators. And there are always those that are looking for prob cause problems, and they want others to agree with them. Well, it's too loud in here. No, it's too soft in here. It's too hot in here. No, it's too cold in here. Don't you agree with me? They're called agitators. And then some will say, I'll help you. I'll be there. I'll serve. I'll give. You can count on me. But they never get around to it. They're called hesitators. And then there are those that uh, put up a good front. They pretend to be someone that they're not. They're called imitators. But then there are those who love people. You can count on them. They're always serving. They're giving a, a lending hand. They bring sunshine into your life. And here's what they're called. Sweet taters. So what are you today? Which of those do you fit in? And we've been talking about essential and not essential. Not as the politicians would have us to see that. And if you missed any of the series, I really encourage you to go back and listen to them. They were, I, I think they were very good, um, not just because that I taught and neither taught, but I thought they were very good to help us to understand what is essential in life. So if you weren't here, let me give you a little review. The first week we said, here's what's essential. You're essential. We said it like this, I am essential. Would you say that? I am essential. Why don't you just put that there in your notes right there? I am essential. I want you to know that you are essential. God, the creator of the world, says that you're essential because here's what he said. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him because we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what kind of works? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should do what? Walk in them. Not be a tater that just sits around and does, and does nothing, but we're a sweet tater. We hear his words and we obey his words. <clears throat> we said after, the second, after that, the second essential we wanted to know is that we want to, he says, we should love God and love people. And so there were 614 different laws, and so the religious people came to Jesus and said, what's the most essential? And he says this in Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, <clears throat> excuse me, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Read it out loud with me. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So he said, love God and love people. So people can say, I love people, but how do you know that they love people? Because they help people, right? So here at the Father's house, we say we love God and we help people. And then there's another essential. 
And here it is, and write this down or fold it away or take a snapshot of it. We are to build the kingdom. Build the kingdom. Not my kingdom, not your kingdom, not the Father's house kingdom, but the kingdom of God. Remember Jesus, when he taught us how to pray, he said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Literally it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it's already being done in heaven, in heaven. So Jesus says this, his last words, actually his first words and his last words are parallel. His first words were, follow me and I'll make you to be fishers of men. And his last words before he ascended, look at this, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore, what did he say we are to do? Go therefore and what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So if you don't feel like the Lord is with you today and you're a believer, let me ask you, how good have you been at going? How good have you been at helping others to understand what it means to grow in their relationship with Jesus? Acts 1 and 8, Jesus, uh, the scripture says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, Jesus. And he says, And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Look at this. We're praying, Thy kingdom come. But in the midst of all of that, we're to be part of a church. A church is the instrument of, uh, how can I say this, uh, for the expression, for the manifestation, for the demonstration of the kingdom of God on earth. The kingdom of God is invisible. You can't see that. It's the rule and reign. I can't tell. I can't look at you and say, oh, you're part of the kingdom of God because I can see God in your heart. No, the way that I see God in your heart is your actions. So Acts tells us that Jesus purchased a church with his own blood. Why? So that we could be the visible manifestation of what the kingdom of God is to look like to other people. Jesus said, you want to know what God is like? Watch what I do. You want to know what the kingdom of God is like? Watch what he does. And that's what we are to do, right? We're not called for others to serve us, but we're called to serve others, right? The church, the word church is the Greek word ekklesia. Would you say that with me? Ekklesia. That's a group of people that are called out for a purpose. Remember that verse that we looked at just a few minutes ago that he called us to do good works, that he has a purpose for us? Here's the purpose of the church. It's not to come and sit and soak it's not to come and just worry about your needs being met. But the purpose of the church is to be the visible representation of what Jesus was. What did he do? He was always building a bridge to the lost. He was always helping people, healing. He was always encouraging. He was always telling the truth to people, right? So we have an assignment. Say, I have an assignment. Here it is. Preach the gospel. And use words if you have to. Preach the gospel and use words if you have to. The gospel is good news. 
I mean, when people around you, they should feel the good news because you are the representation of that kingdom of God. Not only that, we're to win the lost. Who have you won this year to the Lord? Who have you personally won to the Lord this year? Or that you've worked to and brought them to church and they raised their hand and surrendered their heart. So who have you done this year? And if not, why don't you, instead of being condemned, say, oh, that's part of my assignment. My assignment in the rest of this year is to lead at, one, at least one person to this man, Jesus, who's the most awesome person in my life. Remember when you first became a believer? Remember how it's so awesome, Jesus, man, you just love Jesus. You could fry eggs and say Jesus' name and speak in tongues and shout and feel good, you know, all of that. What happens? We get so used to him and his kingdom that we no longer are on assignment. Listen to me. You are on assignment. The rest of this year, we're focusing on, as we should all the time, loving God, helping people, and building the kingdom. How do I build the kingdom? I'm going to do my best to win somebody to Jesus this year. Wouldn't that be great? And then they win somebody to the Lord, and then when you get to heaven, you guys can have a camp out party around your mansion and said, you know, I, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad my other friends are here. The reason I'm here is because that Mike cared enough that, that he invested into me, and he brought me to church, and I gave my heart to the Lord. Folks, that's what it's all about. It's not about this world. It's not our home. We should see as this world is crumbling and coming. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Rebellion, anarchy, division, hatred is going to get worse in the world. But the light of God is going to get brighter. Guess what? This world is not my home. I'm going to be taken from this world for a while. And then there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And I'm coming back and fellowshipping with that. So I can't let myself get so preoccupied with what's going on that, uh, that I'm not able to win the lost. We're to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. A growing relationship. How's your relationship? Are you growing or are you static? So the kingdom, let me give you this. The kingdom, when we say build the kingdom, what are we talking about? The kingdom is the territory or the area over which a king rules and reigns. How many of you would say today, King Jesus Rules and reigns in my heart. Would you raise your hand? You're watching online. Raise your hand there. Do a little clap out the side so I know there. Jesus is ruling and reigning in my life. The church now is a visible representation of the kingdom of God. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to give you kingdom authority. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I just had a thought came to me. What if because of my inactivity of reaching the lost, I bind up somebody who's my dear friend from knowing Jesus? Then have I used my authority to bind them up? Or in prayer and building a bridge, do I loose them so that they're able to be able to be loosed in heaven? I'm telling you, we're not playing games. I, I think if anything came real to us in this pandemic is that, that there's so much for us to do. The church was officially founded on this day, the day of Pentecost, 
the Holy Spirit came, and uh, 3,000 were added to the Lord, to the church at that day. Acts 2, 1 through 3 says, on the day of Pentecost, on the day that Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place, say one place, I think that should be like one mind, right? One mind today that we're serious about, we're serious about seeing his kingdom come. We're serious about seeing his kingdom come. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all that anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes and separated in tongues of fire and engulfed each one of them. Would you say thank you, Lord, for sending your Holy Spirit? Keep me full because I have a tendency to run out. Yeah. You, you, in your car every once in a while, you got to change the oil because the viscosity, is that the right word? It doesn't have the viscosity to keep things running. And I'll tell you what, there are times that the Holy Spirit oil in my life runs a little low and people get on my nerves and I get irritable. And I get irritable myself. And that's pretty bad when you get irritable at yourself. Anybody ever been there? And that's when I got to go back and get a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever, have you noticed as we've been teaching this, because I know you're so brilliant, you do, that the Father's house is organized around what we've been talking about. We say the mission of the Father's house, say it with me, is leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. You know what that is? Making disciples. Jesus said, here's what my church is supposed to do. Not get together with a bunch of potlucks. Uh, not get together and just pat one another on the back of how good you are. But you're to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Go to your friends, your neighbors, the people that I put in your sphere, and be a witness to them. Lead them into the kingdom. And then to help them to become growing in their relationship with Jesus. And we say our vision is how we do that. Say it with me. We do it three ways. We love God, help people, and build the kingdom. Right? So that should make more sense to you now. So when we say that every day here when we have church. So my question is, I'm asking myself and asking you and asking the Holy Spirit, just how do we build the kingdom then? The Lord said he'd build the church, but he's asking us to help him build the kingdom. Because you see, he's not here he sent his Holy Spirit to empower us to build the kingdom, to build the kingdom. So here it is, here's, what, here, here's what I feel. There could be several others, but let me give you a few of today. Number one, be bold. Say, be bold. Be bold. Why don't you put that there? Just be bold, or you show a muscle there, you know. You, you just be, I think it's time for us to be bold, right? Look at your neighbor and say, be bold. Be bold. Do you know what the first prayer, this is interesting, this is interesting history. Do you know what? After the, after the church was organized, the Holy Spirit came, 3,000 were added to the church. Do you know what the first prayer of the church was after the day of Pentecost? What, what do you think that first prayer would be? Oh, oh Lord, um, bless us. Oh, Lord, uh, help us. You know what it was? It's in Acts chapter 4, verse 29 through 31. Now, Lord, look on their threats. They've just been threatened, said, listen. I, I know you guys have been winning people to Jesus, but we don't want to hear any more about Jesus. Shut up about Jesus. Nothing else about Jesus. Notice what they prayed. Grant to your servants that these people will leave us alone. Grant to your servants that we won't have to go through this. 
grant to us an easy path. Because I'm a mushy tater. That just came to me. There's a new one there. <laughs> mushy tater. No, look what they pray. Grant us to have boldness. Read it out loud with me. That we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, say it loudly, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Be bold. I release boldness upon you. Let's pray, Lord, help me to be bold. You say, well, how should I be bold? Be bold in your invitations to church and to Jesus. What's wrong with a friend that you have when they're going through a crisis? You just be bold and say, hey, could I pray with you? Could I, could I introduce you to Jesus? Hey, let me, let me invite you to come to the Father's house. Man, we're back live, and uh, we'll keep registering for a while until we're released more and more. We may have to add a third service or a fourth service. But be bold in your invitation. Build bridges to people and invite them. Be bold by your serving. Be bold by your serving. In a week or so, we'll have kids' church going back. And you know what? Some people come. They're not here today, okay? Uh, because it's, it's hard if you've got a bunch of kids to come, and maybe they're coming to the second service. But you know what happens a lot of Sundays I observe? Lord, help me to say this in the right way. But a lot of people come to church, and they always want to be served by other people. We want those ushers to seat us where we want to be seated. We want the parking crew to let us park in a handicapped zone, even though we can walk and run and play golf and wiffle ball all week long. We want to hear the songs we want to sing. We want to hear those. And you say, hey, would you mind serving and helping us with the little babies as we get ready to crank back up? Hey, would you mind helping to park cars? You say, Park cars in the sun? I'm a busy man or a woman. Shh, listen. You are served every Sunday by busy people. By busy people. Do you think the people that volunteer here are not busy? They are busy. You want me to give their itinerary to you? Say, well, they're retired. Yeah, but they're busy. They've got uh, lawn bowling, golf. A lot of other stuff. And they could say, well, I've spent all of my life serving. I'm older now, so it should be time. No, that's not what they say. They say, where can I serve? Where do you need me? I'm in. So I'm saying, let's be bold. I'm encouraging you to be like Star Trek. I need you to go to places you've never considered going before. All right? One of the greatest obstacles to reaching the lost is a percentage of people who are Christians that view the church as a place that should meet all of their needs, and they never sacrifice. They have what we call a consumer mentality. And that consumer mentality creates a huge, tremendous turnover in local churches. What I'm, I've been doing this for 52 years. We've been here at this church for 24. And what I notice is that a lot of people that attend church develop a fine sense when it's time to move on because their character development is about to be challenged. 
people, I didn't say that on the first Sunday we come back to church. Listen, I prayed about this. I've been here all early, all morning. I said, Lord, surely you don't want me to say that today. And the Lord said, you want to be real? Yes, sir. Do you want to be relevant? Yes, sir. Do you want to be raw? Yeah. He said, then you need to address this thing in the American church, this consumer mentality. What happens is, instead of winning the lost, we have to spend our time as pastors and small group leaders in trying to hold on to rovers. Now listen, I'm not targeting anybody today. Please hear that. We don't burn bridges. We keep them. When we first started the church, we had phone calls and somebody would say, oh, I'm so glad you started church. You know what? I'd love to be part of something new. And let me tell you, the church that I used to be part, listen, the church that I used to be part of, and if you heard them, they'd probably say, and the church that I used to be, used to be, used to be, used to be, used to be part of, I was an elder. And if you need an elder, I'll be happy to help you. I'd say, wow, we need an elder over picking up garbage. We need an elder over cleaning a bathroom. Oh, no, 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 no. So you see what they've, what they've just said? I'm not interested in building a church, a place that people can come and feel comfortable and clean. I just want a platform for me. Here's what we've hear, heard through the years. Well, you know, and this is what's so funny. Well, you know, I just feel like the Lord is leading us to another church. I have no problems with that. But if the Lord is leading you, you need to go to your small group leader or to one of the pastors and say, would you give me some godly counsel about this decision I need to make? But what a lot of people say, and they'll say it to our face. How many times, Pastor Jim? We love the Father's house. We have nothing about the Father's house. And then in a couple weeks, I get a little report like this. Hey, I heard that so-and-so left because you wouldn't let them sing. You wouldn't let them play music. You wouldn't let them preach. The world is full of Christian liars. Just saying. What they're really saying is this. Well, I think I should be used this way because my platform is more important than building a church that is kingdom-minded that would say we'll do everything we can by any means short of sin to win the loss to Jesus. Would you give me a hearty amen or an oh me or say I'll pray for you. I don't believe that, but I'll pray for you. I really believe, I'm not sure this is really totally accurate, but I really believe this. I really believe we are called to churches and we don't choose churches. The scripture says in Psalm 92 and 13, we are to be planted in the house of the Lord and will flourish. It didn't say we're to be potted plants that we come in for a while and if you don't do what we want you to do, we pick up our pots and we go somewhere else. Planted. You know what it means to be planted? It means that when it rains, I'm planted. When it's hot, I'm planted. When the wind blows, I'm planted. I'm planted. And if I ever feel like that maybe I'm supposed to be transplanted somewhere else, I'll go to a godly authority and say, would you help me work through this? Or do I have a character fault 
that I'm not willing to face myself. And so I'm just saying, let's just, let's just be, I, I love what Lisa said. She said to this uh, a few weeks ago, and I said, would you write this out? Uh, this is from Lisa and JR. She said, during our time of searching for a church home, listen to this, this is a, this is a great New Testament way to do it. JR and I, JR, that's her husband, he's the best part, okay, so JR and I would put church names in a hat. And we'd pull out one that we would attend that week because we were trying to find a church home. Although the Father's house was different stylistically than other churches we grew up in, its reputation in our community got it added to the hat. So the Father's house was pulled. On our first visit, we loved the diversity of the people. We loved the teachings. Mm, but other parts of the service, not so much. I mean, if you've been part of a church that has no musical instruments, and you come to one that we blow you out of here, and we raise hands, not for permission to go to the bathroom, but because we just all raise hands. But she said, after a couple of visits, something, we know now what it was, kept drawing us back to the Father's house. So we're so thankful and blessed that although we didn't know what was calling us here, we trusted. And I love what she says. And I would say to a side note to parents, that's why the foundation you establish now is so important. J.R. and I were taught as children to listen and to obey God. Wow. Heard some, had a guy once call me, said, I want to talk with you. And he said, you know, I'm, I've been part of a lot of churches and I'm, I'm very influential and I, uh, I'm a great giver. Well, in my heart, great giver. Woo, do, 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 sounds good. Then he said this. He revealed his heart. So I want you to be my pastor. I said, well, I'm happy to be. This is where I'm called. But to me, that means that if I call you 24 hours a day, you will be there for me. I said, um, we'll send somebody. But it may not be me. You see, when you join the Father's house, you don't join Terry Mahan. You join the Father's house. So that means... That if one of our pastors comes to see you, or if one of our pastors counsels you, I have counseled you. And we got some great pastors. So that's just the way that we do it around here. So let's go to the next one. Be bold in your generosity in your giving. Be bold in your invitations, in your, in your serving. Be bold in your generosity. Let's be bold in our giving. If you're a tither, let me say thank you, and I give you a hand clap. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Some of you changed your giving around, and you give online now. And you know what? God has helped us through this time, and we've been able to keep paying for our missionaries, keep the church doors open. But, you know, I know also there are a lot of people that you got a great job, or they have a great job. They're not in this church, the service. They're coming later, like on the fourth service today. And they have a good job, but every once in a while they cast $10 in the plate. Are you kidding me? Your kids eat more animal crackers next door than $10 are paid for. And we celebrate. Oh, we love it when people are baptized. We love it when people are born again. We love all of that. Do you think that just happens by itself? It happens by people that are givers. 
There's different ways to give. Look at this. You, you can give like this. There's an envelope in the back you can give right now. You can give online. You can text giving, 352-329-2301. You can do it today in person. You can use that giving envelope and mail it in. So why don't you go ahead and get your giving ready today if you haven't already given. And as you leave in a few minutes, the ushers will be standing there holding a bucket. You just drop your giving in there with your connection card. Uh, put your hand under the hand sanitizer. Throw your trash in the trash can. You can be out of here, all right? So let's do that. Let's be bold in our giving. Next, let's be bold in our prayers. Aren't you tired, kind of tired of just praying? A, a book I'd like to recommend you, Dangerous Prayers by Craig Groeschel. It's also a new version. It's a Bible program you can listen to. I mean, we pray a lot of safe prayers. Lord, be with me today. Protect me as I get outside and drive because I know there's a whole lot of people. And keep Anita's car from being hit. I know it's been hit on the front and it's been hit on the back by bad drivers in a parking lot. I mean, I look out there and I say... <laughs> And I, and I look, and I said, Anita, who did you back into? What happened? I don't know. Somebody scraped your car. And so then yesterday, I'm going to get the water checked over there, and, and uh, I come back out, and the front's been hit. Somebody scraped it. I said, where have you been going? You've been doing drag racing? So I said, from now on, I'm parking in the outback way out there because you never can tell what people are going to do. No, no. But we pray. Lord, keep us safe. But listen, what if we start praying bold prayers? Lord, show me somebody I can pray for today that has never darted the door of a church and think they, could, they would never do that. Lord, help me to see people as they are. Dr. Tony Campolo, one of my favorite writers and speakers, he was teaching his class about evangelism, and he asked this question, what do you suppose Jesus would have said to a prostitute? And one of his students raised their hand and said, Doctor, Jesus never saw, he never met a prostitute. Dr. Campolo said, sure he did, let me show you in the Bible. He said, no, you didn't hear me, doctor. I said, Jesus never met a prostitute. He never identified a person by their sin. He saw them for who they are. What would happen if the father's house would not identify, oh, that person is gay. Oh, that person is an adulterer. Oh, that person is obese. Oh, that person is... What if instead of that, we just identify that person that may be caught in a real struggle, in a real difficulty? Why don't we just see them as they are, a person that Jesus loves, and he died on a cross, and I have a mission to build a bridge and to love them into the kingdom. I think we ought to come up with a new sign out front when people pull in. Maybe we should put it on the parking lot floor out there. You are entering a guilt-free zone. A guilt-free zone. The world and the enemy pours guilt upon us, guilt upon us, guilt upon us. You're wrong. You're bad. But the Holy Spirit says, yeah, you got some problems in your life, but I've been sent to help you out. That and the, who the Son has set free will be free indeed. I looked at those crazy rioters that are not really protesters, but they're rioters. And I thought, oh, shoot them. That's my flesh. Okay, sorry. Just shoot them. That's stupid. Use rubber bullets, whatever you want, or real bullets. I don't care. Shoot them. And the Lord said, what are you teaching today? 
Lord, please don't go there. <laughs> Can you see them no matter what their motivation is as a person? So I'm getting off of that point right now. Number two. And I said, Lord, I'm going to try if you'll help me. Number two, we need to teach the word and let the Holy Spirit lead. Teach the word and let the Holy Spirit lead. Scripture says the message that points to Christ and the cross seems like sheer silliness to us that are hell-bent on destruction. But for those on the way of salvation, it makes perfect sense. Enjoy the journey and let people to enjoy the journey. Let them enjoy the journey. Let them enjoy the journey. Because what happens is sometimes we try to force people to make a decision too early. Sometimes we have to let people accept their consequences. It's silly. There's a law of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you'll reap. It's silly for us in our religious jargon to find someone who's had an indiscretion in their marriage. And then they come for marriage counseling and we pray, Lord, heal their marriage. No, we have to backtrack. Because confidence and trust and truth has been broken. And there's a thing called restitution. You have to do things to reestablish that truth. And you have to know that people are going to, they're going to reap the consequences of what they sow. You say, but God forgave me. Yeah, he forgave you of their sin. But there's still the consequences that you have to face. And number three, expect the miraculous. Expect the miraculous. Acts 2 and 42 says, every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teaching of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and gifts and wonders. I'm telling you, I don't know how you felt today. When you came to church today, you say, I'm expecting the miraculous. I'm expecting the miraculous. I'm expecting the miraculous. We need to do that. If the Holy Spirit is living in us, let's walk through that door. I'm expecting today the miraculous. For people to be saved, people to be healed, people to be delivered. I said the church is a visible representation of the kingdom of God. Now let me sum up this entire teaching with one word. Jesus. When people leave this worship service, do they remember the creative programming or do they remember Jesus? When people leave a life group, do they remember the good food, the sermon discussion, or do they remember Jesus? When they walk out of here and face life, do they leave with a heavy burden because of the financial debt, or do they leave remembering Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Jesus? Do they go home feeling hopeless, or do they lift up with the understanding of nothing is impossible with God, and he sent his son, Jesus? Do they leave believing they're the center of the universe and the church is all about serving their needs only? Or do they remember that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end? Do they leave stuck in a pit of shame? Or are they set free from sin because of their forgiveness, because of the forgiveness of Christ? Would you bow your heads with me? Here's my last prayer today for us. May God's Spirit keep me, keep us all face down as we keep looking forward to his appearance with our eyes simultaneously on the field that is white for harvest. Let me talk to those of you today that may be here. You've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart and into your life. 
Let me say today, it's not an accident that you're here today. Jesus is here today to draw you by his spirit. The scripture says, if I call upon him, I can be saved. So I want to pray for you today. If that's you, and you say, you know what? I need to surrender my heart to the Lord. I need to rededicate my heart to the Lord. If that's you, would you just raise your hand in the building this morning? Or those of you that are watching online, just raise your hand. Thank you. Others today say, that's me. Thank you. Others today say, that's me. That's me. I need to pray that to decision today. Or maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I've been so focused on myself. I've really lost focus on building the kingdom. When I come to church on a Sunday morning, all I'm thinking about is, is I'm gonna be, am I going to leave blessed? Instead of, am I going to leave knowing that I've served somebody else for the kingdom? And you say, I want to be more focused on that. I want to pray for you today. Father, I pray for those who raise their hands to rededicate their life to you today or surrender their life. And if you raise your hand for that today, would you pray this prayer with me right now? Father God, thank you for dying for my sins, coming into my life, and to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer today online, or if you prayed that prayer here, take out that connection card and put it on there, decided. We want to send you something. We want to help you. Those of you that are here today, I'm going to pray as we walk out of here today that we walk out knowing that we're going to do one thing this week. We're going to be focused on building the kingdom, looking around people that are all around us and that are lost without Jesus. Would you stand? I want to pray over you, and then we're going to sing a little more of this song. Andrea is going to dismiss you out these four doors. Please don't go out the front. That's already sanitized, ready for the second service. You can drop your tithe, your offering, your connection card there, and the sanitizer is there. Father, I pray that you would keep us, Lord, as we leave today focused on building your kingdom, on building your kingdom. Forgive us, Lord, for getting so occupied by who we are and what we need that we failed to be who you want us to be. We want to be bold talking about you. We want to be bold in our giving, bold in our prayers. We want to be bold in our serving. And Lord, we want to trust the Holy Spirit to lead and guide. And we're going to expect a miracle to happen today in the name of Jesus. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we'd love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.